We're in the middle of and concluding, if you will, a series today on the blessed life. Uh, really excited about it. Again, just to be honest with you, has super changed my perspective when it comes to giving, okay? Super changed my perspective. And I got the disclaimer at the front end. I was not taught these things growing up in the church. You're like, you grew up in the church and you weren't taught how to properly give? No, I was not. Can anybody identify with me on that? Growing up, you were not taught properly how to give. Just me. This is, Justin, I'm so glad you got to share with yourself the last four weeks that God has changed your life. Um, so it's it. We're done. No. I'm sure most of you that were afraid to raise your hands because we're talking about giving um, could identify with me in that I, you were not properly taught these things from a biblical perspective. And that's key for us. As a church, we always want to communicate from the Word of God. We don't want to deviate from those things because the Word of God will always stay the same because it's His words spoken. We change. We're fickle, okay? We all know this about ourselves. So it's important for us. It's essential for us to be educated properly from the Word of God and specifically around giving, around finances. Now, again, you remember, um, there's not any farmers in this room necessarily. You may have a garden or something at your house, um, but there's no like wheat farmers, other grain farmers, right? There's no typical, maybe, you know, cow farmers, if you will, cattle farmers, you know, there's no dairy farmers in this place. If so, that would be your currency of life. We all operate on the same system. We use that thing called the dollar, right? Even though it's not worth a whole lot right now, we all use that thing called the dollar. Again, if you go to Sheets and you get your schmuffin from Sheets, all right, it's like you guys got to stop, okay? But if you get a of anything from Sheets, all right, you, you, you got to walk up to the counter. They're going to ask you, okay, how would you like to pay today? You're like, well, um, would you like some grain? No, we all use finances. So it's key for us to understand biblically how to come from this. And remember we talked about from the beginning, week one, it's all about the heart when it comes to giving. How we give. And if we look at it in this the portion of Scripture, Luke wasn't even talking about finances. It was really talking about judgment, talking about love. You see all these kinds of things that we give to people. And the measure that we give is the measure that we will receive. Right? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. So if you give judgment to somebody, you will get that same type of judgment, not just judgment, the same way you gave to that person. I don't want that in my life. Do you? No, okay? That's not good for me. So I think about the same for us, the matter of our heart, right? How we give. We don't grieve. We give with an open heart and with excitement to bless, all right? You remember that? Yes, okay. Week two, we arrived at class, if you will, and came to the understanding that there was a test. Remember, as you sat in the room, you came in in the morning, you're like, what test? All of you guys got flashbacks, didn't you, of high school and middle school when you came in and the teacher's like, okay, pull out your pencils. Uh, for me, it was the Scantrons. I don't know if they still use those. But pull out the, you know, you, the Scantron comes out. And I'm like, well, what kind of design can I make today? Uh, what kind of beautiful, oh, look, a flower. <laughs> Hopefully that works <laughs> kind of thing. But I got it in every line, so it did, uh, and I failed. Um, what test? Every time... We receive, there's a test of how we will give. Every time that God gives to us, remember, because he gives everything, how do we give back? That's the test. And a lot of times for us, and this really, really wrecked me, 
So much so even yesterday when I was filling out the, the uh, baseball pictures order form, right? I thought to myself, hey, you just got paid, but you didn't give of your first fruits, right? Because I got challenged on this stuff. Put the form aside, filled out the tithe and offering. First fruit went back to other checks before I write any other ones. Went back to the other checks before, right? You see what I'm saying? Because I'm challenged to pass the test every time that I receive, every time. And the same for us, what test? making sure that we give the right way. Week three, last week, was the principle of the first. We talked about the heart of two individuals, the heart of Cain and the, the heart of Abel. And we saw that the heart of Cain, remember this, the way of Cain was greed and rebellion. In his heart was greed and rebellion. The way that he gave, he was just so upset. You could tell how by the response that he gave to God when he was pressured in this way, saying, why didn't you give of everything that you had, of your first fruits. Why didn't you give of your best? And the way that he responded showed the greed and the rebellion that was in his heart. But then you see the heart of Abel. We see in Hebrews 11, the heart of faith. Someone that was faithful and righteous. Someone that had faith and was in right standing with God. How do you know this? By the way that he gave and his giving lived on beyond his life because he made it to the hall of faith, right? Someone that was filled with faith. If God would give his best, this was our, our last challenge, why wouldn't we give him our best too? So today we conclude with this, the principle of multiplication. The principle of multiplication. Now, I know for all of us, um, we understand addition, we understand subtraction. Easy, right? That's easy stuff. Multiplication, a lot of this stuff, you remember, I don't know if you're like me, but you had to remember the facts because you didn't have time in your mind to start adding things up and using your hands and Allie comes home the other day and she's part of the No Finger Club, right? That means she didn't give anybody the... F no, she's part of the No Fingers Club. For a whole week, she didn't. So proud of her. No, that she's not using her hands to do math, right? She's not using her fingers. And it's funny to think about with us, you know, when we get to the multiplication, division stuff, it gets a little more complicated. And really, when you think about giving, right... It's one thing to understand adding and just doing the small things. It's a whole other to understand the other side of this addition, subtraction, the multiplication part, what God does when we give, okay? So we're going to come from Luke this morning, Luke 9. You'll see it on your screen. Follow along with me as I read. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a, to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. They always followed him, right, if you think about it. Because whatever he was on was really cool stuff, was counterculture, was things that people needed. So they followed him, okay? He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages, countryside, and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, Jesus, right? You give them something to eat. This is going to be fun. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there, okay? But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. 
taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. How many of you have heard this story before? Most of us, right? How many times have you read this story? Multiple times. How many times have you really placed yourself in this story? With most of the word, a lot of times we don't place ourselves in the crowd. We don't place ourselves within the 12. We don't place ourselves beside Jesus to really see what's going on here. See, prior to this, uh, in Luke 8, he gives them authority to go out and drive, de- drive out demons and heal people. And you see the disciples going out on, on a subtraction ministry, if you will, taking away things from people that don't belong. Okay? But then we see ourselves in this day of teaching when Jesus gives them a challenge, sets a principle in place of multiplication. Oh, a total different perspective. And imagine yourself maybe in the crowd, okay, maybe beside Jesus, maybe with the 12, there that day, okay? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a second and put ourselves in this situation, be, be one of the 12, if you will, be one, probably one of the 12. Let's go for one of the 12 today and just listen into the story. Now, I think someone that is probably one of the most notable by his responses is Peter. Can you agree with me? Chopping people's ears off and stuff, and I'll never forsake you, and I'm out, you know, kind of stuff. Peter was that guy. So let, let's, just, let's just suppose that it's Peter in the situation, okay? Are you with me? So Jesus and his disciples have been super busy. The schedule has been packed to the brim. They are beat. They are tired. They're trying to get away, yet the crowds follow still. They find a way to him any way that they can because they know what he offers, healing and wholeness. They know what his ministry is, so they're going to follow him anywhere he goes. Here they are again that day, okay? And you see in the scripture, if you read it, it says late in the afternoon. There was a day of teaching at this point that was happening between Jesus, his disciples, and the crowds, okay? Now, when you look at this scripture, you see that there were 5,000 men. They didn't really count women and children in these types of situations. So you can estimate about 20,000 people were there. Jesus Graham, okay? Not as in Grammios, like Billy Graham. This was like a big old outdoor thing where everybody's gathered around, okay? Can you imagine? Put yourself there with 20,000 people around you, okay? Put yourself there as one of the 12, all right? One of the 12 listening to Jesus all day long, okay? Watching the things that are happening, listening to all the stories, listening to what he's teaching these folks. You're there. Are you with me? The smells. There's probably plenty of that. The feeling, the, the, the things that you hear, the conversations that are happening. The people are, oh, that's good. Who is he? He's like the son of man or something. He's a mate kind of thing, right? So you're there. And this is when things begin to get really real. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging. What was happening up in here? Probably at this point, people had passed hungry, and they'd moved to hangry. Does anybody know what hangry is? That's the way I get. Anybody with me? When I get hungry, I'm starting to feel it talking about it now. Okay? When I get hungry, I get hangry real quick. 
because I turn into a big baby if I'm not, if my stomach doesn't feel good or if I'm tired, right? If I'm tired, I'm, I'm like pulling it together nonstop. Kara's like, get a hold of yourself, man. I'm like, I'm not a man. I'm a prepubescent boy right now. I'm hangry. She's like, Snickers bar and I'm back. You know what I mean? Everybody is getting hangry. And the disciples come over and be like, okay, Peter, he comes over. He's like, Jesus, man, let me tell you, this is good stuff. This is probably one of your best days teaching yet. I mean, the way you, that healing thing, that was legit. I saw that person's leg totally bent, messed up, and bam, like that. You said it. It was done. And that teaching on forgiveness, oh, it was amazing. But Jesus, I don't know if you've looked at the way the sun has moved. <laughs> um, I don't know if you looked at around you where things have, it's been a while, okay? Um, I pulled out the sundial, did a little check. It's been a long day, okay? I don't know if they did that. We'll just go with it. It's been a long day, Jesus. And people, people are starting to get hungry. I heard a couple, again, getting hangry. I say, Peter's over here talking to him, and you see Jesus, you know, he's just like looking at Peter, and Peter's like, oh, just... So what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do? And you see this, this dialogue that kind of happens behind the scenes. Man, think about it. 20,000 people gathered. Jesus is talking. In comes Peter. Oh, just a second. Jesus, um, they're hangry. And in true Jesus fashion, you see his response. He replied this, you give them something to eat. Peter goes back. All right, guys, um, just finished the meeting with Jesus. A little quick meeting. Want to let you know that um, he came back uh, with a great suggestion. We give them something to eat. So the disciples then, what do you think they're feeling? All of a sudden, they're scared to death. Their stomach is in knots. You give us something. What do you mean us? What do we? Remember just the chapter before what he did through them? He was teaching them something, Right? You go heal, you go deliver. Now, you give them something to eat. And then here walks in the little boy, right? He comes in with his fisherman's basket from Long John Silver's, right? He comes in, right? Like the two fish. Anybody had Long John Silver's before? You normally only have it once because then you get like dysentery and almost die. <laughs> but that was the best day of your life, man. Those little chip things that are in there, all those little fry fragments is what I call them. It's all the stuff that floated around. They just throw it in a basket. <laughs> but then here comes this little kid with the five loaves and the two fishies. That's what, what King James used to say back then. Fishies, right? And the guys get a bright idea. This is great. And, you know, they do a quick inventory of what's in the basket. Okay? They say, all right, look, this is what we'll do. We'll go back to Jesus. Okay? We'll go back to him and say, look, all we got today is five loaves and two fish. If we do that, this whole thing can be shut down. We can go home. We can get a nap. We can get some good food, maybe some broiled fish, not some fried fish or something from Long John Silver. We'll tell him this is all we got. Peter's like, game. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus, um, minor problem. All we got is five loaves and two fish. All we got is five loaves and two fish. What do you want us to do with this situation? All we got is this. He says, here's a solution, Peter. Okay, just go ahead and break them up into groups of 50. What? 
five loaves, two fish, groups of 50. What in the world? Okay, Jesus, absolutely. Guys, what we got to do is we got to start breaking them into groups of 50. Imagine yourself in this situation, right? Are you with me? As you're trying to live by this faith as one of, of Jesus' disciples, you're trying to listen to everything that he does. You're trying to be obedient. And he comes up with the crazy idea of breaking 20,000 people into groups of 50. And you're like, Jesus Christo, you have fallen off your rocker today. Are you lightheaded yourself? Do you need to eat? Right? Imagine yourself in this situation. Have them sit in groups of 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. And this is where the change happens. What Jesus then does, this is going to, this bothers me because you know I like things clean. He then goes with these five loaves, two fishies, and he breaks them. Look at that mess. Help me, Jesus. It's okay. OCD goes away someday. He sits there and he breaks them. And what he does then is he keeps half for himself, if you think about it, right? And then gives half back to Peter and the boys and say, hey, look, go and start feeding. Does that make sense? Does this make sense at all? With what you got in the basket, is this going to go that far? No. But see, the key of the story is this and the understanding is that at that point in time, Jesus gave thanks and he blessed what had been given. He gave thanks and he, gave, he blessed what it had been given. And the key for us to understand in these disciples that, that day and that late in the evening is as soon as they took that peace that he gave and they began to give it, it's like the miracle of the bread. It's like whoop, the never-ending baguette or baguette, those two. <laughs> you bag it, you brought it. Sometimes when I go to Panera, I wish those things were never-ending. I eat it all before the soup's done. It's like, come on, Panera. You dropped the ball again. But for them, what they had to do was be obedient in the giving. And because he had broken it and blessed it, it was then multiplied. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? That's hard for us to get that lesson of multiplication in our lives. But it, before, before it can multiply, it has to be blessed. And that's what I want us to understand. Before it can multiply, it has to be blessed. What if the disciples had given it out before it was blessed? Think about that. His blessing, his multiplication would not have been on it. They would have been running around, hey, just take a little snippet, just a little piece, just a little crumb. I know you're hungry. It's a little appetizer. When you leave here, you can go get the rest, okay? Don't be greedy. Wrong heart, all right? Take a little bit. If they had not allowed him to bless it, it would not have been multiplied. God blesses our giving when we first give to him. When we give him our first, he will take care of the rest. He taught the disciples that day, and he has continued to teach us here today as well. What we're going to do with the second part, the second point, if you will, focus today, is I'm going to allow Robert Morris, the creator of the Blessed Life book, to teach you for a few moments, okay? Because here's the reason why. I am 35, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? There's a lot of life I still have to live and a lot I have to learn when it comes to giving. But as I've, I've read and listened and all those things to Robert Morris's story, nothing teaches me more than someone's story. Almost three decades of sacrificial giving and crazy multiplication in his life to give again that I want to share. Okay? 
But check out the video. They're going to play it for you. Number two, it has to be given away before it can multiply. It has to be given away before it can multiply. Again, think about this story. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, what if the disciples had eaten it instead of giving it away? And a lot of people do that. They tithe or they give to the local church, but then they don't give over and above. And it has the potential to multiply. It's blessed, but then they don't give offerings over and above. So in my own life, let me tell you how this happened. Um, I, start, I got saved at 19 in Jake's Motel, room 12. And I started sharing my testimony, and then I went to Bible college, and then I started preaching youth revivals and things like this. And in a few years, the Lord said to me, now listen to this statement, it's very important. You might even want to write this down. He said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Yet you need to understand something. God cannot, it would be against his nature, God cannot bless something that's not in order. So he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. So I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, three things. And then I, I, I want you, you could write these down as well. I, I put them on the uh, screen for you. Number one, he said, get out of debt. Now, every time God speaks something to us, God will clarify what he means. For us, we still operate by this to this day. To getting out of debt was we, it was, we had peace about owing for our home because it was an appreciating item and because of the tax credits and things like that. Now, some people don't have peace about that. I understand that. But for us, we have peace about owing for our home, but nothing else. And so we, the first thing that had to go was our car. We had a car with this big payment. It was actually too big for us. We knew it was. So we sold that car, and we bought a car for cash for $750. That's all we could afford. But we loved that car. We prayed over it. Uh, we anointed it with oil about a quart a week. <laughs> and we drove that car. The second thing God said to me was, don't manipulate. Now, by this time, again, I'm in ministry, and I'm traveling and speaking in churches. He said, don't manipulate. I said, Lord, what do you mean, don't manipulate? He said, I want you to know that I, I am your source. So he said, from now on, when a pastor asks you, you know, what are your financial requirements for coming, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. Before, they would say, what are your financial requirements? And I would say, well, give, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And my friends would even say, and the offering has to be a minimum up. I never even said that. But he said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. And I'll never forget the first pastor I told that to. Uh, I said, I have no financial requirements. He said, well, that's good because I'm not sure we could even pay your gas. He didn't say pay your expenses. He said, pay your gas. And we got in that $750 car, and we started driving to that church. And I stopped and filled it up with gas, and I went in to pay for it. And this lady said to me, it's taken care of. I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, well, because I own the gas station, and when you pulled in, God told me you were an evangelist, and I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out, I went out, and I got in my car, and I said, God, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. <laughs> and then a pastor called, and he said to me, uh, can you come on this date? And I said, yes. He said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. And he just couldn't get it. He said, what, what, what do you mean you have no financial requirements for coming? I said, I mean, I have uh, no financial requirements for coming. And he said, what do you mean you have no financial requirements for coming? And, and he just couldn't get it. He said, how are you going to live? How are you going to live? If you come to our church and preach and we don't give you an offering, how are you going to live? 
and I said something, and I meant it right, but it came out wrong. You ever, you ever do that? And so I, I said to the guy, listen, if we come to your church and preach, and you don't give me an offering, I said, God will take care of me, and God will take care of you. He said, well, we'll give you an offering. I said, no, I, did, I didn't mean that. I, I didn't mean that. I said, what, what I meant was, God will provide for me, and he'll provide for you. Of course, as I've thought about it, <clears throat> it probably works both ways. But anyway... So the Lord said, get out of debt, don't manipulate. Number three said, give. And I said, well, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. Now listen to what he said. He said, son, giving, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. He said, the tithe belongs to me. He said, you only have two choices with the tithe. You bring it to the house of God or you steal it. It's only your only choice according to Scripture. There's no other choice in Scripture. And so he's, I said, well, Lord, this, aren't these good questions? I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know what to give? How will I know where to give? Listen to what he said. So simple. Listen, he said, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. See, my sheep hear my voice. So the very next meeting I go to, now this is all, this is, this is it. This is all I do now. Is I, at that time, I travel and spoke at churches. And if they gave us an offering, great. And if they, you know, some churches would give us a love offering. Some churches would give us like offerings. <clears throat> some gave, uh, don't like, don't come back. Anyway, so, so I said, I have no financial requirements. And I went, I had one meeting for the whole month, for the whole month. And it was a Sunday evening meeting, not a whole week. And it was about 60 people. And so I go and I speak. And at the end, the pastor gets up and said, this guy told me something no ministers ever said to me, ever. He said he had no financial requirements coming. He said, I want us to give an offering to him. And so they gave an offering, and he came up to me at the end of the service, and he said, look at this. Look at this. He was excited. We've never done this. He said, look, look how much this offering is. I'm so excited. And I looked down, and it was enough for the whole month. And at this time, I had a staff, and I had an office, and I had expenses. So it was enough not just for my personal income, but for the ministry's income for the whole month. And I thought, God, you are so good. That's amazing. And I'm standing there talking to the pastor, and I glance over his shoulder, and at the back of the room is a missionary that spoke right before I spoke, and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I'll never forget what I thought. Here's what I thought. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that's not God. That's, that's not God. That is not God. That's not you. If you don't know, that's not you. And this voice said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. Give him the offering. And I remember even telling the Lord, I said, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. You, you got all pumped up because I preached a good message, and now you want to give. But I see you're not thinking clearly here. And the Lord said, I told you I'd tell you. I told you I'd tell you where to give, when to give, and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give him the offering. So I went up to the missionary when no one else was looking. I made sure no one saw me. And I endorsed the check, and I folded it in half, and I said, I'm going to give you something on two conditions. Number one, you don't look at it until after you leave because it's a very, very large check. Number two, I said, you never, ever tell anyone I gave this to you. Never. And I gave him the check, and we walked out to our car, Debbie and I, and there were some people standing there talking. They said, hey, would you all like to go get some pizza? And we said, yeah, you know, because we were, we were broke. And so we said, yeah, we, yeah, sure, we'd love to. And so we went to pizza, and there were five other couples, six couples total, Debbie and I, 
and five other couples. And the six ladies sat on one end of the table, and the six guys sat on one end of the table. And I was on this end. Debbie was down on the other end. And all of a sudden, these four guys got to talking. And this guy across the table from me leaned over like that. And so, you know, I kind of lean over. I don't know what he's about to say, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just said to me, how much was the love offering? And so I told him. And it was an offering, not an honorarium. The difference is an honorarium is a round amount with zeros, like $500 or $1,000 or something. This was an offering, so it had dollars and cents. And so I told him every number. I told him the exact amount of it. And he shook his head like this, and then he said, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I didn't want to say we gave it to a missionary. I didn't want to do that, and I didn't want to manipulate, and I didn't know why this guy was asking me. I didn't know who he was, and I was flustered, and so I just kind of heard myself say, Debbie has it. <laughs> and so he said to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I got up and I walked down where Debbie was and I just kind of whispered in her ear, you know, I said, how's your pizza? Good. Okay. <laughs> there, what else do you say? There's no chat, you know? So I come back and again, I'm flustered and I don't, you know, and so I just, I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? I mean, you know, you, you know so much, pal. <laughs> and he said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, how, did you, how do you know that? And he said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before the service that night. And he opened it up and it was made out to our ministry. And remember, our, the check I gave away had dollars and cents. He opened it up and it was exactly... Ten times the amount of the check I'd just given away. Exactly. Exactly. And he said, here, take this. And he's holding the top of it, and I reached out and I took the bottom of it. But he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I realized he wanted to say something to me. I know now there was an importation from a person who had the gift of giving. But he's holding the top, I'm holding the bottom. And I looked right across the top of that check, right into his eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. And when he did, this revelation came on me. This is God's money. And every penny I get is God's money. And so I said to Debbie, this is God's money. We need to ask God what he wants us to do. Listen to me. Every believer needs that revelation about every check we get. This is God's money. God, what do you want me to do with it? Such a powerful story when you think about his life. This is 30 years of giving. And like, I'm so challenged by this because I, I want to stand before our congregation 30 years from now and share stories of how God entrusted us as a church and trusted me specifically with even, because this is his own finances, right? Entrusted me with what he has given to me, and then we give it away. See, the understanding here is that, that God, God will multiply. And, and the story goes on, literally. Where they gave, a money, gave the money away to a single mom who bought a car for her, and he's like, well, God, what about my $750 car? He said, I'm telling you to go buy a car for her. 
buys a car for her. And then all of a sudden gets another call about this and another call about that. And it just keeps snowballing. God, God said, give away your house. Give away this. Give away that. They did. Came back again. Came back. Just all this stuff. And it's, it's between you and God. But, but the thing is this. What condition is your, heart, is your heart in when it comes to giving? You're like, I, you don't understand. I don't have anything. Okay. But God can still use nothing and make it extremely, extravagantly something. It's all about your heart. And the thing is this. God will say it to you. I love those three points, which are so key for us to take. If you didn't write it down, write it down. Get out of debt. I was talking with a college student earlier, well, soon-to-be college student Wednesday night when I spoke at a youth ministry. And I said, make sure you don't get in debt. Because when God tells you to go here or there, you can go freely and not have to worry one bit. Get out of debt. Nothing wrong with owning a home and all that stuff. Just get out of debt. Don't manipulate. Know your source. This can be a manipulative role right here, right? And you can do the same thing when you give, but don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. When God tells you to give, give. Don't have regret. Don't grieve. Give. Don't think about it because you were obedient in the giving, but don't manipulate in the process. And then tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Giving is giving, and God will let you know how and when to do it. He's the one that multiplies it. Only after the blessing comes the multiplication, and that's the challenge. Luke 9, 17 they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. He even gave them leftovers. Isn't that cool? All because he blessed it, and they gave. They were obedient. What we're going to do is just conclude with a time of worship and a challenge for you uh, to, to live this type of life, a life of giving so that God can overflow in your life and multiply all that he's given to you. Again, this isn't prosperity gospel. This is provision from God so that you can then provide for others too. The most important decision you can make, though, and this is key for us, is to make sure, make sure that you know the giver of these gifts, that you know the giver and what the most extravagant gift he's ever given, his son Jesus. See, he, he gave so much in this way so that we can have the example of how we should give in our own way. He didn't hold anything back from you. So the key, number one, with your heart is don't hold anything back from him. So what we have to make sure of in this room is that everybody has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't, you're not going to be able to rule and govern completely the way that he, he wants you because you don't have a relationship with him. You don't talk about stuff, Right? If Kara and I lived in two different houses, it would be kind of hard to parent our children, right? We don't talk about any. We're married, but we live in two different places. That's, no, that won't work. We got to be together. And with him, you got to be with him. You got to have a relationship. What does that take? A decision. Saying, all right, I get what you've given. I give of myself. All right, that's number one. And then signing up for this. Test him in it. Test him and see if he won't prove faithful. That when you give, he'll do the same back to you. And he'll multiply it because he has blessed it in the process. All right? So do me a favor. Just close yourselves in for just a second. And, and the number one thing is this, again, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And remember, there's only, way, only one way to the Father through the Son. 
So it's you identifying with who God is and what he gave in his only son, his only begotten son. What a great gift. So what does that mean? That's you saying that I identify, I ask for forgiveness of anything that has separated me from him. I repent, which means I turn from that life of not knowing and I turn to the life of knowing him and I want to journey with him. I want to walk. And if you feel like for you, just, just do me a favor. Everybody, just if you can, close your eyes because it's a good way to respond. When you open them and just look at me, I know that you're with me. Not anything stressful or crazy. If you feel like that's the first thing you got to do this morning just to create, to originate, to start that relationship, or maybe even re-engage that relationship, just simply look at me real quick. Okay? Look at me real quick. Okay? Okay? guys. So what this means is that you said, I want to be in relationship with you, God, through Jesus. I identify with what he did on the cross, dying for my sins, taking them away, and making a place for me in eternity with him forever. And the second is this. If you have felt challenged to give in your life, and we're not even talking about necessarily even tithe aspects, but to offer yourself sacrificially to help others too, to be the church in that way, if you can identify with that throughout this series this morning, just look at me real quick. Thank you. All right. Sweet. All right. Okay. It's a lot of us. All right. Okay. So what I want to do is now pray. I want to pray for all of us in this respect, first for the relationship, but then secondly for, for the heart to give. And then we're going we're gonna to leave a singing this morning, you know, give you an opportunity to worship and thank God for what he's done. All right. And when we're done with that, you guys can go and love God outside of this place, all right? If you do need prayer, I'm available whatsoever. Let me know, all right? I'll be literally standing right in the back. If no one comes, then I'll just start saying goodbye to everybody, all right? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for how good you are. We thank you, God, that you desired for us from the beginning. You desired for us as your kids to live a blessed life. Therefore, you, you put some things into place, some practices, some principles of what it means to give. We learn the heart of giving with Cain and Abel, Lord. We learn to have a, a life filled with faith, not a heart that is filled with greed and rebellion. We, wanted, we just want to honor you, God. I think about any child, they just they want to do what their father wants them to do. Lord, we want to do that. We want to pass the test that when we are given something, we want to give of that first fruit to you, knowing that you gave it to begin with and that just that number you put in place, that, that 10% idea, was an understanding that you would take care of and, and multiply the 90 even more if we were given in that way ourselves. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for your scripture directing us. And we thank you, God, that when you bless it, when you break it down, you multiply it from that place. And that us as your, your modern-day disciples, your modern-day apostles, ones that are sent out to share this message, that you will multiply in and through us to those around us. Yes, you can do it on your own. We know that. Yes, everything is in your hand, but you want to use us 
so that we, human, normal folk, can give credit back to you. That's what people can understand. So we thank you. Thank you for giving us forgiveness from our sins and for giving us an opportunity to extravagantly give in this life. And we bless you. We bless you. We pray, God, let our lives be blessed by you. We love you.